In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the rectors here, priests. Pastors, you can call me Matt. Our readings today talk about shepherding. The Lord is my shepherd, says the psalmist. I lack nothing. There we go. Sorry, Tim. We are in need, if you could turn me down a little bit, that's my bad. We are in need of some good shepherds these days. I'm in need of good shepherds. Whether one is a good shepherd or not is revealed in our answer to two questions. Why am I a shepherd? And what are the sheep for? We've had enough, can we say, of shepherds who eat the sheep. Of shepherds who use the sheep. Of shepherds who ignore the sheep. We are in need of some good shepherds. So today we proclaim Jesus as a good shepherd. Kind of sounds like a Jesus juke, doesn't it? But it's good news, friends. We proclaim Jesus as a good shepherd. He provides safety and security. In his presence, his belonging, and in his kingdom, we encounter his power to heal to restore us in love. Church, let us become a place, a people, that develops a vision for health and holiness and wholeness. Let us develop an immunity to abuse, exploitation, and authoritarian, egotistical shepherding. The Lord is our shepherd. Let us learn to lack nothing. Shepherd is a metaphor used in scripture. In the ancient Near East, it was a metaphor to describe kingship. Um, But for us today, uh, we are without kings, most of us. And so we'll use it as a metaphor for leadership. For anyone who carries or bears authority over a group of people. And in particular, we'll talk about over the people of God. So in our readings, then, Jeremiah names that shepherds have destroyed and scattered the sheep. They haven't attended to the sheep's needs, but God designs to bring them back to good pasture and place shepherds over them to care for them. The reading ended with a promise, this Davidic descendant, this this king in the line of David, who would shepherd Israel with justice. Our gospel reading describes the compassion of Jesus. He looks around at the sea of people chasing him all over Judea and Galilee, even Genesaret. And he sees sheep without a shepherd when he looks at them. So he taught and he healed the crowds wherever he went. He was a good shepherd because he provided safety and security. And his presence was a sense of belonging. And his power healed and restored the crowds in his love. We are in need of good shepherds. Like this. I'm in need of them. Church, let us become a place that develops a vision for health, holiness, and wholeness. Let us develop an immunity to abusive, exploitative, and authoritarian, egotistical shepherds. The Lord is our shepherd. Let us learn to lack nothing together. It's been a, a rough couple weeks for. Um, 
for me personally, but also for many others, way worse for many others, there's a continuing um, scandal that's breaking out in our larger denomination um, where there were some bad shepherds who gave, who did not respond adequately or faithfully, even legally, to allegations of abuse. And in mishandling those allegations, allowed a, a predator to be present in a church full of people who were vulnerable for years. This isn't just a sexual abuse scandal. I want to be clear about this. It's also an abuse of authority, of power. There's a kind of leadership that functions in our world where there is an accountability, where the leader is not accountable to anyone. Uh, they, they tend to develop a, a culture that rewards loyalty with access to power. Because bad shepherds, why are they a shepherd? Well, they're in it for the power. To keep it, to get it, to consolidate it. And they use their position and status to build a platform, to assert their control over people, to build a name for themselves. Bad shepherds end up using, abusing, or neglecting the sheep. They can't help it. (laughs) People are expendable. People are resources to be used. They're pawns in a game of power. They're giving units or brand ambassadors or simply consumers to appease. We are in need of some better shepherds than this. Good ones. So today we proclaim that Jesus is our good shepherd. He provides safety and security in his presence, his belonging, and in his kingdom. We encounter his power to heal and restore and love. Church, may we develop a vision for this healthy, wholesome, holy use of power. May we develop an immunity to things that lead to exploitation and neglect and abuse. Let us learn to lack nothing together. Psalm 23, you know it. Uh, it, It's um, sometimes called the Lord's Prayer of the Old Testament. I've heard it called that before. It's one of uh, a number of prayers that we've used with our kids. I say it over my son and my daughter um, regularly. We could preach for hours on the provision of safety and security in this psalm. The green pastures, the still waters, the peace in the midst of dark valleys, the overflowing cup, the feast in the midst of danger. We could preach for hours on the sharing of power here, the right, read, just ways of living, the correction and comfort of a rod and a staff, the existence and presence of enemies, and how God's power changes the way I experience my enemies. We could talk about that for hours. We could preach for hours on the presence of God and how this connects us to the covenant belonging with him. That we learn to live as though we lack nothing. That the phrase, for you are with me in the midst of this psalm, is at the exact center of the psalm. There's 26 words before it, 26 words after. This is important to Hebrews. For you are with me. God's goodness 
and love, his hesed, loving mercy, kindness. It doesn't just follow us, but the word here is like pursue like a wild animal chases prey. Surely your goodness and mercy will hunt for me. All the days of my life. And I'll live in God's presence, this temple forever. We could, I could preach a few sermons on that, but what we're going to do today instead is we're just going to talk plainly about bad shepherds and good shepherds. Okay? First, bad shepherds. Friends, um, I was just talking to some friends about this before we started the service. Abuse. Not just people being silly, but abuse is rampant in the church. Physical, emotional, sexual, spiritual. If you're here this morning, I know most of you, but some of you are visiting, some of you don't know all your stories. I get it. If you don't trust Christians, I get it. I get it if you don't trust white male clergy. I get it. I get it if you don't trust me. Especially if you don't trust Spencer. (laughs) I trust Spencer. I get it. I get it if you don't even want to be here this morning. Because of that. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry if the only experience you've had of this abuse is just reading about it. And it's hurt your faith. If you've had the thought, like, how can so many people who say they love God do such evil, demonic things? I'm sorry if that's happened to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've experienced that abuse, not just like derivatively through reading other people's stories, but directly. Jesus is our good shepherd, and because he is, we can tell the truth about Things that are bad. And that stuff is bad. And I'm sorry. May you find healing. May you be happy. May you get justice. May you be free. May you find peace. Some of the deepest regrets I have in ministry are at times I have been a bad shepherd. I can think of two occasions. I want to name them publicly. Two occasions where um, I got angry and yelled at somebody in public. Not just like a Panera Bread. Like at a church staff retreat. I've got a thousand hours of not justifications, but reasons why I chose to respond like that. But I made people cry. And they were both women. And yeah, I uh, immediately recognized what I had done. And within an hour on both occasions, went to them and owned it for forgiveness and apologized and apologized to everybody else who was there and I felt awful about it 
and I beg for forgiveness. But here's what we have to realize, friends, especially in the male-female dynamic, damage was done. I could not figure out how to repair those relationships. Many of you come from places where you've experienced bad shepherds. Many of us in leadership here have made mistakes. and We too have experienced bad shepherds in our life. I was diagnosed three years ago with PTSD in large part to experiencing abusive shepherds. And today, into all that hurt and pain and the scattering and destruction, into the stories we carry into this room, those of us watching online, reading my lips, I'm sorry, the volume isn't working. Those of us listening later to this recording, today, into all that, we proclaim Jesus is our good shepherd. He provides us safety and security in his presence we belong and his, the power of his love, it heals us and restores us. It's the kingdom power of a good shepherd. Let us learn to lack nothing under that shepherd today. So can we speak plainly about good shepherds too? Um, the potential for doing things that we regret always lives in our bodies, right? You've experienced that. Paul talks about this. And so how do we organize our bodies in a way that brings accountability and integrity to our deepest intentions of our hearts? This is one of the reasons why Ben and Spencer and I co-pastor. One time a week, at least, one of us needs a pastor. We're all committed to holding each other accountable, to being good shepherds. If one of us is having a C minus day, someone else is maybe having a B plus day. But, but power works differently when it's not a single dude at the top. We are working hard to reconstitute how we bear authority here together. Sharing it, giving it away. Not because you're loyal but because that's what Jesus did. Even to some who doubted, gave them power. Part of the way we want to be good shepherds is to say to the women in this room, you have a place in leadership here. Not only do you have a place, I need you to shepherd me. And we see this in our ordination pipeline. We have a number of women getting ordained. We, we have women who proclaim good news to us from where I'm standing here today. We have a need for mothers among us. Not just to operate in what these three dudes have constructed, but to come into the center and to rejigger, I like that word, rejigger what we've constructed. Women, you have a place in leadership here. I want you to shape who we're becoming. This is how we learn to lack nothing under the good shepherd. Is that there's a table set before you. And your head is anointed with oil. And your cup overflows.
But this isn't just from the top down or center out even. But we need to be a community that becomes immune to abuse and exploitation. And that's not something that I or Ben or Spencer alone can create. Remember after uh, 9-11, um, Homeland Security developed this slogan, if you see something, say something. I was just at this German restaurant on the south side of India last night, um, and in the bathroom, they've got this gigantic poster that just says, if you see something, say something. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not sure my aunts want me to say something about what I've seen in the bathroom. <laughs> Maybe that was a joke just for me to have last night. I don't know. Um, but it takes a village to build a community that is immune to abuse. So here's some practice and, ha- and habits that we were developing together that can help that. We own and name our own kairoses. We don't blame other people for our reactions. We own our own stuff. Right? So William, you don't make me angry. I chose to get angry at what you said. That's what that means. Take responsibility for ourselves. Take dominion over your body and own it. We submit it to one another. William, I don't know why I got angry at you, but I did. We we don't have anything between us. I'm just using that as a name. Why do we do this? Because repentance is a good thing. It's a good news. Repentance is the best thing that could happen to us today. In fact, Uh, As you mature in the kingdom of God, repentance should become more frequent, not less. Church, can we just let that sink in? So what it means to lead here isn't that you have done all your repenting and now you can lead. It's that you are going to demonstrate how to repent. Publicly even, if needed. It means that power isn't defined by control. It's defined by love. This changes everything. The central power of the kingdom of God is love, not control. God is love, not God is control. Taking love seriously as the power that will save the world. Love is patient and kind. It's not envious or proud. It doesn't insist on its own way. Love doesn't delight in doing evil. We've got to become at least proficient in how love lives together. So we become resistant to coercive people or passive-aggressive people or people who introduce themselves and within 10 seconds are telling you all about their resume. There's some kind of like, wait, what are you doing? What's going on here? That's not what we do. Um, a few months ago, when we were discerning as a vestry um, how, how and if and when to come back together and take our masks off, you know, and have kids ministry and meet in homes, um, I, I came back from a trip and I got uh, piecemeal information about a vestry meeting and I wasn't patient So I called up Ben. Ben and I made some decisions. I shot off a message to the vestry about certain things that changes from what they talked about. And we wanted a discussion and conversation on this document. It didn't happen. Asynchronous communication is hard, especially when you disagree. Then we had a meeting. People were, uh, there was some trepidation. 
people were asking questions, but whatever. After the meeting, it came out. A couple messages from two women leaders in our church. Hey, I'm not comfortable with the way this was led. One of the women, uh, both women sent us emails. Again, that were owning their own kairoses. I'm feeling uneasy about this. I have like your help figuring out why. Not, you guys are idiots. Let me tell you why you did this wrong. Which they could have said. Um, one of the women um, brought Sean Tianhara. He's, um, he's away on vacation right now, but he's six foot five. and <laughs> He's a big man. He's, he's also our warden, so, so that means he has a place in our church of leadership. He's the go-between between the priests and the bishop. Um, and we sat down, and she looked at us, and she said, I feel like you guys misused your power in that meeting and the way this went down. She was right. It was unintentional. Like I, I didn't sort of um, get out of get out of bed and think, "How do I misuse power today?" But I'm only good at a few things, and that's probably one of them. So, right? Like it's just we we find ourselves incapable of doing otherwise sometimes. That's what I'm trying to say. But what um, the reason I share this story? It's not public. Well, now it is, uh, is because. Um, that was an indication to me that we are becoming the kind of people we want to become. That a woman without any credentials, any positional power, really, she's on the leadership team, but she's not trading off of anything, can just say, hey, I feel like you guys misused power. And Ben and I can go, and Spencer can go, yeah, you're right. We're sorry. That's how we become a community that's immune to abuse. (sighs) Friends, today we proclaim Jesus as the good shepherd. His presence, safety, and security. He brings belonging to us. And his power is a power of love that heals and restores. Church, may we become a place where abusive neglectful, manipulating shepherding is not tolerated. Where those who have experienced that find healing and even owning their own authority and power rather than being scared of it because they don't want to do to others what was done to them. And may, may we develop the practices and habits of a healthy ecosystem where the vulnerable are protected where the powerless are empowered, where the marginalized are recentered. Church, may we become a place that learns to lack nothing under our Good Shepherd. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.